Welcome back to the listener's commentary on the New Testament. We are continuing our study of Romans chapter 3, and in this session we want to look at just a few short verses right at the end of the chapter, Romans 3, 27 through 31. This section flows out of what he just said about God bringing his saving justice, his righteousness into the world through Jesus, and thus it's now received by faith. It draws out just several really quick and important implications of that fact, and it does so by asking and answering three questions. The first question to be asked and answered in this section is, where then is boasting? And Paul's going to say in a nutshell that boasting is excluded because people are justified by faith, and faith is receiving a gift. That's what Paul explained in 321 through 26. And so since faith is receiving a gift, it's something you can't boast about, right? You don't boast about that. And specifically what Paul seems to have in mind is this idea of boasting in the Torah, boasting in the law, the nationalistic pride that Jews have, particularly faithful Jews. They even had it towards their own people. They were superior. They were better because they were law-abiding. They kept the covenant, right? And Paul's saying, that's excluded. But by implication, all forms of kind of superiority-minded boasting is excluded. In fact, the idea of the word boasting here really is to put your confidence in, to proudly glory, and like to celebrate the law, to celebrate our pride, to celebrate our heritage as Jews, to celebrate whatever it is, right? Like to boast in and to put your confidence in something. Notice what Paul says then in verses 27, 20. Let's read his thought. He says, where then is boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And so the fact that Paul has just explained in 321 through 26 that it is received, God's righteousness is received and experienced by faith in Jesus means that boasting, particularly boasting in the law, well, that's excluded. You can't boast in that. And so there is no place for boasting because we are simply receiving a gift of God's grace, and living in loyal union and partnership to him. The second question that Paul asks and answers here is, is God the God of the Jews only or also of the Gentiles? And the answer Paul's going to give is, well, no, God's the God of the Gentiles also, since God is one, and God's going to justify Jew and Gentile the same way, by faith. Here's the way Paul says it. In verse 29, he says, Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not also the God of Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. Just to clarify what he's getting at. Notice that the section begins with or, which seems to suggest that um for Paul, this is virtually another way of asking the first question, or in some sense, at least a follow-up to that first question. And the idea seems to be that everyone who gets justified will only be justified by faith. That's what Paul just said in verse 28. And there is only one God, so there can only be one family, and this family is predicated on, built on faith, right? That's, that's what he's getting at. And so, is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, he's the God of the Gentiles too. Why? Well, 
because the God who's going to justify the circumcised, that is the Jews, is going to do so by faith. He's also going to justify the uncircumcised, that is the Gentiles, by faith. And God is one. And since God is one and is going to justify Jew and Gentile the same way, there is only one family made of Jews and Gentiles together. Paul will explore that implication much more fully in Romans 9, 10, and 11. The third question that Paul asks and answers in this section is, well, do we nullify the law through faith? Well, Paul, you're making such a big deal out of faith. You're bringing Jews and Gentiles together on the basis of faith. You're saying that we're all justified by faith, and so there's no place to boast in the Torah. So do we actually nullify the law, cancel out the law through faith? And Paul's answer to that is, no, indeed, we actually establish the law. Here's what he says in verse 31. Do we then nullify the law, the Torah, through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Notice that faith and law here stand in contrast. That's not because there wasn't faith under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. Indeed, there was. Abraham was actually justified by faith in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and places like that, right? And so, no, there certainly was faith. In fact, at the heart of the Old Testament is faith. So it's not that there wasn't faith in the Old Testament. The reason law and faith stand in contrast to each other here is because faith isn't my faith or your faith per se, but faith as the way to relate to God now, Jesus-centered faith, Jesus-focused faith. And so when Paul uses the word faith here, he's using it in terms of the new reality that has come, the but now of Romans 3.21. A new situation has arrived where God's people are marked out by faith in Messiah not by keeping the Torah. And so that's how he's using faith and law here. That in itself is really important for understanding what he's getting at. Not only that, part of what it means to establish the law here is to put it in its proper place, to fulfill it, to put it in its uh, uh, proper intent, right? Uh, the Jews had taken the law and made it really part of a kind of a nationalistic boast. They had made it a thing that excluded the Gentiles. They had uh, failed to be a light to the Gentiles, and they bragged about their superiority, at least segments of the Jews did. And Paul wants to put this in its proper place. And so by emphasizing that people are justified by faith, uh, people live by faith and loyalty to, to God, and that's that's the centerpiece of their justification, and thus demoting the law and also putting the law in its proper stage in salvation history. Paul is taking the law, and he's establishing it by saying the law had a specific time period it operated in, and the law had a specific job it was to do, and that job was to lead to faith in Jesus. That day has come, and so now the law's job has been fulfilled. It's time to move on from it. It's time to move forward. If you want to read more fully Paul's thoughts on this, you can look at Galatians chapter 3, where Paul really has a full uh, argumentation in a shorter space where he explains this, and he helps us realize that the law had a specific job to do for a specific time. That job is complete. That time is over, and now the way to relate to God is faith in Jesus, faith in the Messiah. And that's how Paul is, says he's establishing the law by teaching justification by faith. I think this is very similar to the point Jesus is making in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, where he says that he did not come to abolish the law, 
but to fulfill it. Um, one rabbinic scholar, David Biven, contends that the language of abolishing and fulfilling was typical rabbinic language about misinterpreting and proper interpretation of the law. And this actually fits very well with what Paul does here in Romans 3 and then on into chapter 4, where in chapter 4, Paul is going to bring up Abraham and the Old Testament to say that ultimately, really, the way the law was supposed to function was as a means of leading people into loyal union with God, loyal, faithful obedience to God. And so when Paul says that he actually is establishing the law through teaching justification by faith, what he's saying is this is the proper way we're supposed to understand the law. This is the proper use of the law. This is the proper interpretation of the law. Jesus's ministry and mission was not to negate the law, to do away with the Old Testament. Rather, Jesus's ministry and mission was to bring to fruition everything the Old Testament law looked forward to. The way N.T. Wright says it is, Jesus is the climax of the Old Covenant. He is the ultimate goal and end. Everything it was working forward to is fulfilled and caught up in, summarized in, and achieved in Jesus. He's the climax of the Old Covenant. Uh, one of the analogies I like to use for that is the, the analogy of pregnancy and childbirth. Childbirth does not abolish pregnancy. It ends it. But it doesn't abolish it. Childbirth fulfills pregnancy. It brings pregnancy to its proper termination point, to its proper goal, to everything pregnancy was about is childbirth. So even though childbirth brings pregnancy to an end, it doesn't abolish it. It doesn't nullify it. It fulfills it. It establishes it. And that's the very same point Paul is making here in Romans chapter 3. So to summarize this short little section Justification by faith in Jesus excludes boasting because we're now just simply receiving a gift of God's grace. It forms one new family made up of Jews and Gentiles marked out by faith in Jesus Messiah. And that actually fulfills, establishes what the law was supposed to be all about and what the law was working for and working towards throughout its whole history.